When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete.me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web, and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete.me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. and <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide DeleteMe with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have DeleteMe. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. DeleteMe is not just a one-time service. DeleteMe is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash E-T-M. Go to joindeleteme.com slash E-T-M and use code E-T-M for 20% off. Are you looking at your career this year and thinking it just is not riding in the fast lane like you'd hoped? If that's you, you are so not alone. This year has been rough on many careers and salaries, Not to mention we're all working at home, juggling our partner's weird snack breaks and that neighbor who just likes to run the lawnmower exactly when you're hopping on a Zoom call. But look, I don't want you to stay stuck. Jacqueline Twilley, president of Zero Gap and really our regular career expert, is back to share the insider secrets to help you know your value, aka how to fatten up your paycheck, master negotiation without breaking out into a sweat, and finally take back your life and career. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Compton-Game, where we flip the script on the old-school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. I used to hate negotiation and consistently, consistently undervalue my talents and skills. And it wasn't until someone who wasn't these things scored really a huge contract that I was actually first in line for. And I realized how much I was hurting myself and really decided to dip my toes in water, to not be so afraid of negotiation and to certainly not undervalue my talents and skills. Since then, since that really pivotal moment for me, I have been so passionate about sharing with you the power of negotiation in in all areas of your life. Like 
My favorite money tip for calling your credit card company to get your annual fee waived? You don't know unless you're asked. That is really my motto. But when it comes to career advice, Jacqueline is my go-to. She's been on this show a few times. She's an auntie, a latte lover, president of Zero Gap, really passionate about ending the wage gap, is a two-time best-selling author, and of course is a Saints fan. And she's coined the phrase, nah, I know my value. And on this episode, she's going to teach you how to know your value as well so you can earn more and live better. Well, Jackie, I am so excited to have you back on the show. You are always one of our very favorite guests and our sort of resident career expert. So thanks for being back. Thanks for having me back. You know, I love this podcast and I love talking to you. It's funny, the the last couple times we talked, we were talking about how 2020 was our year, right? I feel like everybody was saying that, but I, I'm kind of in the frame of mind where 2021 right now has a lot of making up to do. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But you know, I, I'm curious, just from your own point of view, going back like a year ago today, what would you tell yourself to to prepare financially, career-wise, et cetera, for this year? Would you would you give yourself any advice? I would. I've been thinking about this a lot recently as we get ready to move into a new calendar year. And it would be, I would study businesses that thrived in a recession and a downtime. Mm. And also money-wise, I would have probably spent more time spending money on things that I really love to do because we can get so caught up into like save, save, save mode. But now that we can't do anything, it's like, yeah, I should have instead of, you know, saving that little bit of money, I should have had that experience because guess what? That experience isn't always going to be there. I love that perspective too, because, you know, I run obviously a money podcast and people are always harping on me because I share the message of, yeah, you need to save, you need to be responsible with your money. Yes, you need to pay off your credit cards, et cetera. We all know those, we should do those things. But I also talk about living life. And sometimes that means going, you know what, I I wanna go on this vacation. I understand that I'm gonna be spending X amount of money. And as long as I have a plan, okay. Or I wanna buy this thing. I mean, they're really, I feel like we shame people specifically in the money world for people wanting to buy things. I think that's such a great message. Yeah, I hear it a lot. And I'll just tell you that I remember uh, a conversation last year. I missed the Texas State Fair. And I was telling my friend, I'm so frustrated. I've been in Texas for three years at the time. And I still haven't been to the fair. And that person was saying, well, you always have next year. And this year, I just thought about that comment so much like, you know, it is expensive to go to the state fair. And we were like, oh, we could save that $150 and do something else. And I was like, you know what? I really would have liked to experience that. So when the Texas State Fair comes back, I'm sure, Shauna, I'm going to be the nuttiest adult out there eating all the crazy foods and doing the things. All right. Well, I have to admit something semi-embarrassing. So when I was a kid, I lived in Houston, Texas. And I lived there for about seven years and my family was like big into the rodeos, like full on, you know, we had the hats and the boots and, you know, I, I was young. So we moved away from there when I was nine, but I got entered into an armadillo uh, wrestling contest where you literally go in a pen and you have to try and like grab the armadillo. And I actually won. So yes. I, I feel, I feel your excitement over this. <laughs> yes. I love that. You got to find some pictures and post it on social. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure there was a picture actually taken, but I, I definitely have pictures of me in um, the whole like gear and get up. So I will definitely have to like dig those out from from deep underground. <laughs> and I, I also would be, I think, remiss if we didn't talk about the state of the world we're in. I mean, we're going to talk about careers and we know that right now we're we're in a crazy economy environment career wise i mean so many different things are changing but particularly you you're you know you're a female african american business owner and 
you know, I can relate from the female business owner part, but certainly not um, being African-American. I'd love to just ask you, you know, what has this year been like for you? And and maybe also, what can we all do as a community to support more businesses like yours? Such a good question. Thank you for that. And also, I appreciate the way that you framed it, because this year has been really triggering emotionally with all the highs and lows. And so much has happened in this year. It's it's almost like, oh, wait, that happened this year, too, because it seems like yeah. so long ago. So with the the early part of the pandemic, my business had a huge blow within 24 hours. Almost all of my contracts were canceling because, you know, that when we came out of that two week period, that initial two weeks of, oh, we're all going to stay at home. And then we realized it was going to be a lot longer. A lot of my clients were trying to figure out, whoa, what's about to happen. So that was really emotional. I spent a week eating potato chips, um, (laughs) peach cobbler and ice cream because I was like, what in the world? So fast forward, when I started getting my legs back under me as a business owner, figuring out, okay, I got to start thinking about next steps and figuring it out is when um, we started hearing more details about Ahmaud Aubrey. And then we heard about Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. And all of that was just emotionally triggering. It was such an emotional point. And I posted something on LinkedIn and on my podcast. And I was like, I'm not okay. Because in that moment, I really wasn't okay to be in the middle of a pandemic and worry about your life from the virus. And then also having to deal with this other aspect is just so much stress. And on top of that, figuring out how to run a business and get back up and going, it was a lot. So I've been able to navigate it with a lot of help from amazing community members. Like you've definitely been awesome just reaching out. Um, And so business-wise, moving forward, my business has had to pivot significantly. We've had major adjustments, just like many other small businesses. But from the perspective of being a Black woman, we went through this part of the summer where companies around Juneteenth was all about, oh, we're supporting Black lives, we're supporting Black employees, Black businesses. And then we had Black squares and everybody was doing a Black Lives Matter statement. And as a service provider, my company providing training and development, it became really interesting. There was opportunities to do work. Some of it was non-paid work, which was completely against my values of eliminating the gender wage gap. And then some of it was tokenism. So as your, as my business was going through a really hard time, I had to make even more difficult decisions. Do I take these opportunities to work with some of the biggest brands or quote unquote exposure are significantly reduce my rates because um, they want to use uh, a black business owner woman to say, oh, we checked that box. So it's been really interesting how your last part of your question, how companies can support pay. <laughs> pay businesses, especially Black-owned women businesses, pay their full rates for their products and services and don't use them as a token and don't have the idea that um, saviorism, like, oh, my company is going to be the one to quote unquote save you. For companies who are truly Mm -hmm. committed to supporting small businesses, women-owned businesses, Black-owned businesses, any other minority business across the board, it's really important that that value alignment be there and for there to be some candid conversations, even if it is uncomfortable. And so that's what I would say on the big business side. To consumers out there who are listening, support these brands and businesses that you see, that you love, that maybe you didn't know about before all of this movement with the racial justice movement and just 
if you like it, rock with it, like purchase it. And if you don't go to the next one, it's all good. Wow. Well, just, uh, you know, I thank you for sharing that perspective. And I'm just thinking about all you've had to deal with this year and then trying to stay focused on running a business. I mean, I know myself, it's been, it's been hard to kind of keep my head in the game. Uh, and then you talk about the, the reality of just pay people what we're worth. And I think one thing I really love about you is, well, A, I love anybody who has like their own saying. I think that's really cool. And, and you've got one of my favorites, which is, nah, I know my value. And I think, I mean, that just certainly rings true uh, to me being, being a female and being a female business owner. But, you know, I'm curious, like, how did you come up with, with this saying, like, this is going to be your saying? In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. It will really help the show. Talkin' Money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Okay, listen, like many of you out there, I love Notion, our sponsor today, and I honestly use it every day for my notes and journaling. I also track our family expenses, and I manage all of our household to-dos. Notion has been such a lifesaver in helping me get a lot more organized because that's not one of my strengths without stressing me out. Notion is a place where any team can write, plan, organize, and rediscover the joy of play. It's a workspace designed not just for making progress, but getting inspired. Notion is the AI-powered workspace that can summarize things like meeting notes and automatically generate action items and help you get answers to questions in seconds. It will honestly blow your mind. Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company, you're a freelancer, you're starting a startup, or you're a student juggling classes and clubs, or you're somebody like myself that just really wants to get organized. Try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash etm. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash etm, and start turning ideas into action. And when you use our link, you are supporting our show, notion.com slash etm. Everyone knows that putting money aside in savings is really important. But then what? Should you keep your savings locked in a CD for a higher rate or keep them liquid in a money market? Can your checking account help you save too? Or is it about creating the right combination? We believe real banking is a conversation. Let's talk about the savings options that are right for you. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com. Member FDIC. It's Tuesday. That means we have an Ask Shauna, and this one comes from Alex. And Alex says, is 1% cash back on credit cards worth it? If a credit card has 3% cash back on certain categories and the rest is 1%, is it worth doing so on the credit card or just use cash? I'm new to using credit cards, although I'm always trying to pay in full every month. However, is just cents on the dollar really worth it? Or is it just a marketing scheme to suck you into using their money? I'm debating just using credit cards for special categories and the rest in cash, or am I missing out on money? What do you think? What is the better way to go? Alex, congrats on your journey into the wonderful land of credit cards. Although there isn't really a right way on what you should or shouldn't do. I'm going to give you some of my thoughts. The first thing is you are doing a kick-ass, amazing job on paying your credit card off in full every month. If you can keep that up, you are going to avoid all of the headaches about credit cards and only reap the rewards. That is the only surefire way, again, that you're not going to go into credit card debt. So you can keep up your credit score, which is awesome, and it's going to give you some peace of mind as well. This is another thing about credit cards that we don't talk about often is there are things that come up in life, and sometimes you actually need to put a purchase on a credit card. Sometimes you don't have the cash, or maybe you're in between your paychecks and you have to turn to your credit card. And it's it's not always a great thing. Maybe you don't always want to do that, but having that peace of mind that you have that availability, I think goes a long way. And it's something that we don't talk about credit cards. Yes, of course, there could be a downside to it, meaning that you make a large charge on your credit card and you can't pay it off and then you have interest and it starts snowballing. There are a million of those different scenarios. However, the flip side of that is that 
you have a place you can turn to in those emergencies. And I've had so many situations myself where maybe I had to replace all four tires on my car or something happened and I needed to access a large chunk of cash. Like for instance, once I had to go to the emergency room and of course I'm not thinking about this when I go to the emergency room, but I actually had to pay my deductible plus an emergency room fee. And it was somewhere around like $1,200 before I could leave the emergency room. Well, I didn't want to use $1,200 in cash And they didn't want to take my debit card. And so I had no choice. I had to put it on a credit card. So that's just one of of many examples of why having a credit card, even if you don't use it, is just a good financial decision to make. So here are some things to, to really think about. I am of the school that extra money is a plus. If you were walking down the street and there was a dollar or $5 or $10 or $20 laying on the street, no one was around, you don't know who dropped it, you don't know how it got there, would you pick it up or would you not pick it up? Now, of course, we can go through all sorts of different ethics around that, but I'm just simply asking you to answer that question to yourself. Most of us, probably like 99% of us is we're going to pick that money up. We're going to pick it up off the floor. What we do with it, that is your own decision to make. So I think of it sort of the same way. That's why I'm always pushing you to look at your savings accounts and find one that is paying more money than traditional banks and why I'm always talking about negotiating things like your cell phone bill and your cable bills. If you can save more money, why not? So the same thing kind of applies here in this situation. If you get 3% back on some of the purchases, fantastic. That's amazing. But 1% on all the other transactions is still more than zero in my book. So I tend to think that if you already have this good uh, habit around paying off your credit card, why not get that 1%? Why not? Rather than paying in cash where you're not getting anything back for paying in cash. Of course, using cash is great. I'm never going to say that's a bad thing. But again, you already have these strong money management skills, so I'm not really worried there. However, if you are listening and this is an area that you really struggle with, then cash makes sense. There's nothing wrong with cash. It's fantastic. But I say go for cash back whenever you can. Another thought for you to look at is, Again, some people are going to think this is not a good thing. Some people are going to think this is a great thing. Just giving you my thoughts is that you could look for another credit card that maybe offers a higher cash back on those categories that your current card doesn't. So for example, I have the Chase Ultimate Rewards Card Plus. I have the Chase Freedom Card and they really complement each other well. So I kind of get the best of both worlds. But Again, that's something for you to decide what makes most sense for you and what works in your current financial plan and with your current financial goals. But those are just some some thoughts. I really, if you have these good, strong money management skills where you are paying off everything in full every month, why not get the cash back even if it isn't as is fabulous as the 3%, it's still something. It's still money back. And if it's 50 cents or $5 or $500, it doesn't matter. What it's doing is cultivating this habit of you looking at money differently and seeing that it's not just about getting these big lumps, like these big salary increases or coming into a big chunk of money, maybe you inherit money, but it's this little bit day after day, time after time that starts to build up. And all of that is just extra money that you can put towards your goals. So thanks again, Alex, for this question. It was an amazing one. We cover and ask Shauna every Tuesday, and I want to answer your question. There is no such thing as a bad question, and you can even tell me to keep your question anonymous. We're community over here, so your question helps everyone else, so ask away. You can just head to the link in the show notes or jump over to our website, mmoneypodcast.com, and find the Ask Shauna area right on the homepage. It actually came up in a couple of private conversations. I was talking to different 
clients and friends and it was just something I was casually saying like nah I know my value no I won't do that I know my value to the point Mm. where someone uh, that I work with she's a graphic designer she's like OMG, check your email. Every time you say this, this image comes up in my head. So she made that logo that I should sell on the mugs and the t-shirts and things like that. And so that's when it really took off when she made that design for me because she's like, I just can't hear you say it again without giving you this design. (laughs) That's so great. I love those stories. And what do you think, like, what do you think is, uh, how do I want to phrase this? What? Why are we all getting this wrong when it comes to knowing our value? Like, why is this so important? We we say this a lot. Know your value. We've said this a lot on the podcast, but like fundamentally, we understand it. But what are we getting wrong with this? Well, I think it starts at early education, like in our childhood days. Are people articulating to us that? Who we are as humans, period, matters. And I think this has a lot of parallels in so many different areas where you see research that says young girls in classrooms always raise their hand and they wait until they're called on before they speak and young boys will blur out the answer. And then you see Mm. that progress throughout adulthood and it shows up in workplaces. And then you also see it in media where you don't see representation of yourself on TV screens or in movies. So it's the the unintended message of not seeing yourself where you try to fit in and try to figure out, hey, what is my value? What is my worth? And it seems like a word that intellectually you know what it is, but you can't really quantify it. So that part of what do we get wrong is we just got to start talking about how we value ourselves and how we see ourselves and just knowing that who we are as whatever we are, whatever that is, is enough. Hmm. That's such a good point. I I definitely rings true about the raising hand versus blurting out. <laughs> I think if you're a female listening, you're probably like, mm-hmm, yep, exactly. Uh, and then thinking about this year. Obviously, majority of us around the world for the first time are working remotely and we're not maybe physically connected, obviously, to our boss or to our peers. So how does knowing your worth change an environment like this? Meaning, like, how can I demonstrate to the people that, like, hold the power over my paycheck that I have value? Does it? Do the rules change in this environment? The rules adjust a little bit, but... At the core, it's you being able to recognize the problems that you solve at work. So on a human level, we all have value that's base level for this part of the conversation. But when you're working virtually, is a couple of things to keep in mind that you don't have to overwork and log on and send emails at 5 a.m. and then log on again and sending emails at 11 p.m., The amount of time that you spend logged on is not equivalent to the value that you add to the organization. It's about looking at problems within your team, your division, your organization, and then getting very specific and saying, okay, this is my scope of work. These are my duties and these are my related duties. This is how I can solve the problems that we're currently facing. Whether that be, let's say, for instance, if you worked at Zoom, whoa, Everybody has signed up for Zoom, business is booming. Or whether you work for a hotel and you're like, whoa, nobody is coming to our hotel anymore. You know, how am I going to do this marketing campaign? It doesn't matter what end of the spectrum you are on. It's about identifying whatever problem is there and using your skill set to solve that. And then, and this is really important, being able to articulate that to your direct supervisor. So being able to say, you know, in the past week, I was able to do X, Y, Z. Last week, we had this big issue. Here's a recap of what happened and what we can do moving forward. And here's our plan so that if we ever face this situation again, we can do this right away. Things like that is how you quantify the value that you add to your organization. 
And are you quantifying on a frequent basis or are you quantifying maybe when it comes around the time for reviews or bonuses? You know, is it like a one-time thing or are you doing this like fairly consistently throughout the year? It's a consistent practice. Right. Okay. So you're 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 demonstrating that there's no surprise <laughs> that you're contributing to the organization. And I like that too because I know when I've been in a position to do that, I've had to also think outside of the box and and maybe this goes back to knowing your worth. I've had to really assess like what are my skills and then how did I use my skills in a I guess, quantifiable way, if you will, to either move a project along or, you know, complete a task. And so I think it helps also trigger something in your brain to think about what you've actually done. Hands down. Because especially with this year, everything is moving so fast. And you're like, wait, that happened last month? It felt like (laughs) two years ago. You have to be able to have your own catalog of what I call wins and be able to look back on those things and say, okay, so last month I did this and you can do this quarterly. You can do it monthly. You can do it bi-weekly. It kind of just depends on what type of work you're in and what your industry is, where you can bring these conversations to your direct supervisor and just give them an update. It doesn't have to be like a formal, I want to review everything I've done, but it can be like, oh, here's our video bi-weekly, um, one-on-one, by the way, did you know in the past two weeks that I've been able to do X, Y, Z? Something casual like that is what I call priming the pump. That Mm -hmm. helps you to talk about your value more often, reinforces it in your brain, but also your supervisor is just as busy as you are. So it reinforces it for them as well. Yes, let's prime that pump. (laughs) Uh, My husband, Jeff, and I also always say that a month in COVID time is really like a year. So yeah, what happened in in July feels like five years ago. It's just absolutely crazy. And I want to talk about, we always talk about negotiation, but it's uh, so important to the conversation. And I think particularly given that we are in this unusual time frame, no one knows how long they're going to really be working virtually. Some companies have already said they're they're going to be virtual forever now, which is which is great. Uh, and you shared recently uh, five lies about negotiation that you keep telling yourself. And there were a couple that really jumped out I want to talk about. Number two was, I can't grow without accepting less in the beginning. And I, I just, that one really hit me because I'm like, yikes, like how many of this, of us think this is actually true? You, what's, what's wrong with this lie? How do, we, how do we debunk this idea that you have to start out making basically nothing? Yeah, it's that, I think it's a very American idea of start it from the bottom. Um, <laughs> we have this love story with rags to riches. And it's so deeply ingrained in our culture that we take that to heart in our professional lives, thinking that we have to start off earning barely nothing and struggling before we can achieve a certain level of success. And I talk a lot about understanding the market rate because the market rate is what a person gets paid in a certain geographic area with a certain level of experience. And there may be some other factors into it. But when you go into a job with an understanding of, okay, this is what a person in this area earns, then you're anchoring yourself to start your conversations to earn at that level. And it's just so important for people to do the research up front because it may not be the case that you have to struggle in the beginning to get these jobs and work super, super hard to get anything. My mentor um, says, you get to have easy world. It doesn't have to be hard. Mm. Start embracing that things just get to be easy. But counter to that idea, um, and part of the lie is that, oh, that was too easy. Something must be wrong. Yeah. So, oh, I got a great job and I'm getting paid great what's wrong? This is too good to be true type of mentality. And I know you talk a lot about mindset. It's challenging those mindsets that really get to the point where you can say, all right, I know what I'm doing. 
and I'm really passionate about my work and I come in and I do a great job, even if it's logging in at my kitchen table (laughs) and being comfortable with that and letting that be enough. God, I love that. I love that. Uh, Real quick, I just wanted to go back. You have a stat on your uh, website that I wanted to just uh, talk about in relation to that lie. You say that research shows that women that do not negotiate their first job offer can lose up to $500,000 over the course of their career. And I think that's, I mean, that's putting it in a dollar amount. And that's a lot of money. We're not talking about a small sum of money. I mean, we're talking about a huge chunk of money. And I think when you think about that, getting over the fear of negotiation, you you have to think about what you're doing for your for your future and for your future self. Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Yeah, that number is still it still makes my stomach hurt. <laughs> Mine too. <laughs> Uh, and then another lie I really wanted to call out, and you kind of talked about this one already, but this idea that you need to work until you're exhausted to prove yourself. I mean, that really hits home for me. I mean, you mentioned this, but I'm I'm obviously on this personal and professional money mindset balance mission uh, the last few years since I lost um, the hearing in my left ear. And really, I think I've probably been on this mission my my whole life, if I'm going to be honest. But how do we how do we really blow up this this lie as well that you need to work until you're just dead tired because i feel that's what we say as a society we're always like i'm stressed or i'm i'm so tired or you know all all of these things we we preempt when we talk to people and i just i just feel like it doesn't have to be this way it doesn't and i'm you travel a lot so i'm sure you know from your friends who live in other countries people think americans are crazy for working <laughs> 70, 80 hour weeks where we think it's a badge of honor. And it's really, we need to sit back and question why do I consider 80 hour work weeks successful? And even in the, this pandemic where most things are shut down, I, I know people who pride themselves on being booked all day, every day on back-to-back video calls. And don't get me wrong, some days I do have to have long days just because I have international clients and time zones, things like that. But that's not my everyday. And we have to begin to question what good is it for me to be logged on and on the go all the time. So when it comes to negotiation, here's where that comes in. Information is power, and you can't make well-informed decisions if your brain is not functioning at a capacity where you can think clearly and take information and process that and use it for decisions. And so when you're negotiating, whether it's a business deal or it's your salary or you're negotiating with a client for your company, at the end of the day, if you're exhausted and you're dog-tired, you're not going to make a good deal, period. Yeah. I And I've been there, done that, <laughs> unfortunately. So, and it, it does, it feels, it feels weird to exercise, especially this year, to exercise that muscle of, you know, it, it's okay. I can turn off the computer. I don't have to deal with any emails till tomorrow. I could go for a walk. I could watch some dumb TV. It actually is for me, like a muscle I've had to develop in, uh, Jeff always says to me, turn your brain off. And it's hard for me to do what I think you're right. It's it's a worthwhile practice in and at least trying to do that. You you owe yourself, you owe yourself that. Uh I'm also curious thinking about negotiation, because a lot of us are working, or almost all of us are working virtually. How do you factor things like you're paying your electric bill, the internet, the phone, so on, all those sorts of things in this work from home society. Can can you negotiate for those things with your with your employer? This is getting really interesting because I'm seeing a lot a lot of different corporate responses across the board where some organizations are doing some reimbursement. Um I saw something, I think it was a parody where they said, um, 
one of the big banks wanted to charge people a tax from for the privilege of working from home. <laughs> um, so you can. The, here's at the core of negotiation. You have to be comfortable asking for what you want and building the case for that. And at the same time, timing matters. So if you're working for a company like Zoom that are Citrix that's really doing well in this pandemic, then you probably have more leverage because there's more money. But if you're working for an industry that's been hit hard, like the airlines industry, and you're working from home, things might be a little bit tight. So you want to be in tune with what's going on in your industry. If you know your company is hurting really bad, maybe instead of asking for them to reimburse you for your cable or your internet, possibly ask them for an additional day off every other week because you're working from home. So you got to get creative in that space, but it really comes down to the industry. And I like your your really important point in that is if you don't ask, you won't know. And so I think also to all of us listening, releasing the fear of rejection. I mean, you have a 50-50 shot if you ask. You have a 0% shot if you don't ask. I like 50-50 odds better. Uh, are there any, given what you just said, are there any suggestions you have of exactly how you would go about asking for these sorts of things if you if you feel like this is the right ask? Yeah, if, if you've done the research and you see your company's doing well, and I actually just walked through this exercise with a client a few weeks ago where she went into the conversation with her supervisor and she said, hey, what's the company's policy on reimbursing us for using our internet at home? And is there any type of stipend for electricity, things like that? So she started the conversation with getting information. And mm. if you look at my latte framework of how I walk you through how to prepare for a negotiation, step number one is look at the details. So in step number one, you want to present open-ended questions or questions that allow you to open the door to get that insight. And then you progress through that conversation. And I call every negotiation a conversation. Progress through that, getting more information to validate what you believe to be true. You believe that there is money in the budget for this. So now it's a matter of finding out, okay, has this been allocated? What's going on? Are there discussions about this? And then if there isn't a policy, then finding a point in the conversation where you tee up to your supervisor, well, what can we do to see about this or to make this happen? And when you take that approach of presenting that question in terms of what we can do to make this a possibility, then it really opens the door for there to be a collaborative negotiation where you and your supervisor are on the same side of the table negotiating to get you that type of stipend or whatever it is for your internet or electricity, et cetera. Wow, that's so good. I love that. <laughs> um, and we started this conversation talking about how this year has has changed for you. I'd love to end the podcast talking about, for everybody who's listening, what, what do you think are some of the most important money, career, what life uh, tips that we need to to master as we roll into the new year? So we have, we have a little bit of time before we hit 2021. How do we get ourselves geared up both mentally, career-wise, money-wise to, to roll into the new year? It's mindset. And I know you're big on this, Shauna. It's all about mindset. So really spending time to to question why you believe the things that you do believe in terms of maybe it's one of those five um, lies that we tell ourselves that I got to start from the bottom and work my way up or anything like that. Just taking a few moments to say, okay, is that true? And why do I believe that, et cetera? And then your money mindset journal definitely helps with the money aspect. And career-wise, I run this program, the Resilient Leaders Program. And it's a quarterly leadership program for women. And the biggest thing that we focus on there is getting clarity. 
I can't tell you how many people I talked to who wanted 2020 to be their year, but they didn't have a plan. And they want 2021 to be their year, and they still don't have a plan. If you don't have that clarity in terms of what you want to achieve and have some basic understanding of the steps that it's going to take you to achieve whatever that is with your money, with your career, and your next negotiation, then you're really going to be like a hamster on a wheel. You're going to be moving, and you're not going to make any traction forward. So that's the mindset and the clarity. Wow. <laughs> that was that was awesome. Well, Jackie, as always, you are one of my very favorite guests and you are all over the place. You have books, a podcast, courses, you name it. So please tell these beautiful listeners where they can go to, to connect with you. Yeah. So my favorite place to hang out online is LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn, Jacqueline Twilly, but I, honestly, I'm all over the internet, y'all. My company is zerogap.co. So you can head over to Zero Gap to find out about our courses, our leadership trainings, and my books are on all the book places, Amazon, Barnes Noble, all the places. I always have so much fun talking with Jacqueline. She just reminds me the power of knowing my worth and not being afraid to shout it from the rooftops. And I've used so many of her tips so many times in the last few years to say yes to projects I really want to do and no to projects where I'm not being paid what I'm worth. So I hope this episode inspires you to do the same. I want to give a big thanks to all of our episode sponsors. You can be sure to go to our links where you can find all the information about our sponsors and connect with Jacqueline. And just a reminder to share this episode right now with a friend that needs to know their value as well and tell that friend to pass it along to another friend and so on. Let's just make sure that everyone knows what they're worth. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.